This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and also check out the blog at obsessiveviewer.com. And also uh, check out the subreddit at r slash obsessive viewer. Uh, so this is kind of an impromptu episode. We were originally going to take a week off in order to uh, do some um, do some prep work for our Shocktober and Irvington event, which if you're in the Indianapolis area, on October 16th, we're hosting an event at the Irving Theater to benefit the Irvington Historical Society. We're going to be showing short horror films from local filmmakers and raffling off prizes, including a, uh, a uh, an Amazon Fire TV stick and uh, a bunch of DVDs and gift cards and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, you can find more information at shocktoberandirvington.com. Three weeks. Three weeks to, yeah, it is. Tomorrow will be three weeks. Well, uh, it's Friday, I'll be two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Three weeks. Weeks. Ugh. Something about weeks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about it? <laughs> I'm nervous. Yeah, I, you know, I'm less nervous than I was last year. Yeah. And I'm less stressed than I was last year, mm-hmm. but I'm still pretty, uh, you know, it'll be fun when it's over. <laughs> uh, not, not to say, you know, that sounds bad. It's just it's just nerve wracking. Yeah, yeah. Performing live for it, people. Yeah, it, and for me, it's not necessarily nerves that it's that that it's doing. It's more um, the uncertainty because mm-hmm. I mean I don't know if anything's going to go wrong or or you know. So the the nerves there's yeah. Um, I don't have performance anxiety. <laughs> okay, but the yeah. good thing is these the 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 movies we're showing the short films we're showing are going to be able to speak for themselves like they'll they can totally stand on their own merit oh yeah it doesn't matter if we screw up exactly those those are those are good movies people are going to show up and they're going to enjoy those so that's what really matters and exactly yeah that's going to be fun yeah we're basically presenting things to to an audience so that's i think that's why the stress level of it this year is is significantly lower for me Mm mm-hmm but again, uh, that's October 16th. The price is going to be $8 at the door or $5 if you have a ticket stub from the Irvington Ghost Tours, um, which is just an awesome walking tour of Irvington that starts this weekend. So if you're listening on, listening to this the week of release, it's the Irvington, uh, Ghost Tours are happening right now and go check them out because they're amazing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So this is just kind of an informal, impromptu episode. I mean, I'm, I know that, I know that when I go to edit it, Tiny, I'm going to be kind of like, uh, should this be like a bonus episode, a special episode or something? Mm-hmm. Cause, you know, we're basically, like I said, we didn't have a planned recording session for this week. And then, um, as luck would have it today is actually podcast day. Um, and so, so we just get, kind of decided to just record something to throw it out there and, and all that. We're going to talk a little bit about Mad Max Fury Road and a little bit of potpourri, but for all intents and purposes, this isn't a normal episode, mm-hmm. I would, I would say, probably. Impromptu is a good, no, maybe not special, yeah. but impromptu. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Half cocked, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so we both recently watched Mad Max Fury Road, which, uh, is a movie that came out months and months ago. <laughs> it came out on home video like six weeks or a couple months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we're way behind the curve on this. Oh yeah. And we didn't like, I, I think I mentioned this probably on a potpourri or something, uh, several, several months ago, but there was a day where I was, I think it was like a Saturday. I had nothing going on. Um, <laughs> and, I was I was just thinking like you know what I'm gonna just sit home I sit at home I'm gonna watch all the Mad Max movies and then I'm gonna go straight to the theater and see Fury Road, and then I watched the first Mad Max movie and I was like I I, I can't I just can't really get into it, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, like after I finished it I was like I don't really feel like watching the Road Warrior and uh, Beyond Thunderdome yeah so I was just like I'll go see Fury Road eventually and then it took months to do it yeah so that's kind of a roundabout way of saying by the way that was my first time seeing mad max i maybe i'll like it more if i watch it again i wasn't really expecting an origin story for mad max i just kind of assumed that he was mad from the beginning (laughs) um and it was kind of off-putting i mean it's 
it's a it's well done for the budget that it had because yeah. it had next to no no budget. But I don't know. I I get the sense that it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, so tiny. That's kind of a roundabout way of asking. What was your familiarity or what was your relationship with the Mad Max franchise before seeing Fury Road? Yeah, I had seen the original years ago. I think it was on Netflix. Is it still on Netflix? I don't think so, no. I didn't okay. get it from, I got it from Google Play. I think it was on Netflix for a while and that's where I watched it. Hmm. Uh many probably four or five years ago. Wow. And and I had a very similar reaction to you. I didn't I didn't really care for it that much. Um to me it seemed like a excuse to just blow crap up and flip cars <laughs> over. Um, which there's nothing wrong with that. Right, that right. stuff was always enthralling and, and fun to watch and that was cool. Um, but you know, you can still do that and have a story and some coherent dialogue and, <laughs> right. and, you know, build a character and stuff like that. Um, and I think the first one lacked that. I don't even remember it very much. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was successful in building the character of, of Max and, yeah. um, at least taking him from one place to another, having a, having a, um, a complete arc for the character. But I don't know, like, like there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, Fan fandom, I, I guess fandom. I don't know. There's a lot of uh, positive stuff about like, oh, Toe Cutter is a big a big part of the franchise or a big part of that the whole franchise as a whole because he's the villain in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, which one's Toe Cutter again? Uh, I, I mean, I like that's how much of a disassociation I had with with the movie as I was watching it, and that yeah. could come down to just mood from watching uh, the not being in the right frame of mind. But I don't know. Just it was, uh, the, the franchise was born to be a cult franchise. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no way it could ever be mainstream, but it's just quirky and weird and awesome enough to have a cult following. So right. it's, it's kind of, it just falls into that category. Um, and I was super excited about this latest entry. I, mm-hmm. I talked about it, um, on our panel that we had at, uh, um, uh, Popcorn? No, the, actually the, uh, Starbase Indie. Starbase Indie. Sorry. Yes. I couldn't think of it. Um, the panel we had there, I, I which we will, I, which I, it's kind of still up in the air. I still need to reply to them, <laughs> the form, <laughs> but we are going to be at Starbase Indy this, this year, at yeah. least the Saturday of it. So Thanksgiving weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, yeah. Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend in, mm. in Indianapolis. See, I raved about it at that and I was like, I can't wait for this thing. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I think I may have talked about it another time after that before it came out in theaters and I was like, yeah, I can't wait. And then I didn't see it. <laughs> um, and then I waited another couple months. Um, it's just hard with, you know, that's not really a, a couple movie. You right, right. And most of the time, I we we my girlfriend and I usually watch things together, and mm-hmm. it's like I basically just told her the other night I was like, I'm gonna rent Mad Max. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can watch it, or you can go in the other room. Right. Uh, we just don't have a lot of space, and so mm-hmm. it's like we just kind of have the one TV, and um, and so she actually watched it with me. Spent most of the time on her phone, but you mm-hmm. know, after about thirty forty minutes, she kind of put her phone down and actually started watching it. Nice. She kind of started to follow it a little bit, and um. To kind of springboard into the review or Bef- the discussion of it. Yeah, sorry. Before we do that, you haven't seen Road Warrior or no. Beyond Thunderdome. Okay, I have not seen. I have heard those. that like the Road Warrior, and, and I'm not sure about Beyond Thunderdome, but I know I know the Road Warrior is supposed to be just amazing. Right. So yeah, right. but anyway, yeah. But I, I think the the way my girlfriend Paige reacted to it is kind of a it's kind of a um a representation of the qual of, of where the quality in the film comes in, it kind of, it has an erratic, it had an erratic nature to it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just kind of a strange, a strange movie, but it, man, it makes, it, it piques your curiosity and you're just clinging onto it throughout the whole movie. And that's what yeah. really, d- despite all the faults I have for it and all the faults I found in it and all the things that I wasn't crazy about in it, that curiosity kept me going. And I think there was a pretty solid payoff, um, in the movie. So that's, that's kind of my, my quick, quick uh review of it but um yeah. what did you uh how did you feel when you were watching it you know i i echo a lot of the sentiments that you had with it it was a very unique experience in that it's i mean it was just you know uh my kind of broad strokes feeling about feelings about it was that it's it's a, basically a two-hour car chase movie which is totally fine mm-hmm. and uh the the effects are like it's a beautiful blend of, of practical effects and CGI that's so, it's really unlike anything I've seen mm-hmm. in recent memory. Um, but I will say that with it, by about the 90 minute mark, I was just kind of like, okay, okay, I'm kind of done with you guys. I'm, I'm kind of done, done with this movie. I kind of ready for it to end. Yeah. And it got kind of long in the tooth there, but overall, I thought that the, I thought that the movie sustained itself well, um, well enough that I was 
incredibly shocked to find out that um after the fact we have podcasts and stuff that uh this was like shelved for a while this was this had a really really rocky development um history behind the scenes like this was supposed to be um made or this was supposed to be released like years ago there at one point there was um talk of splitting it up into two movies and there was two scripts i, I don't know if there was ever two scripts but there was a huge script like tons of stuff was shot and, and written and storyboarded and stuff and to the point where it was just it became a like okay let's just shoot it and be done or so i i think that that's the that's how it went so hmm. it's it's really interesting that it ended up being such a coherent for for what it was like as coherent as it was i mean yeah that's that's, that's fair the story is kind of sparse and it's it's kind of yeah it was kind of lacking in, in that. It was a very action-driven movie, and the right. characterizations were left a little bit to be desired. Although I think that um, Charlize Theron's character had the strongest arc. She was she was the de facto star of the movie, despite the title. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. She did a phenomenal job. And there's moments where she reaches an emos- an, an emotional um, uh, apex, I guess, mm-hmm. and that that works out really well. But it still kind of felt like it felt like more a display of the world that George Miller was building um, mm-hmm. rather than building, uh, rather than setting it in this world and then exploring the characters in it or the true story that it yields. The world was the star. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the, the dystopic, the dystopic uh, future. That is such a more efficient way of saying what I just stumbled through for like sentences and sentences. No, but you were right. I mean, the character interactions definitely left something to be desired. Um, yeah. There, there was a pretty, a really big approach or like a, a very, a, a huge piece of potential um, between um, Charlie Theron's character Furiosa and uh, Tom Hardy's character mm-hmm. um, Mad Max, and there was there's just a ton of potential there, and and they explored it a little bit, and I thought it was a pretty decent, pretty pretty decent interaction, pretty decent relationship. Um, you know, there was there was no need for romance, and they left that out. Right. Thank God that I mean, it's just not didn't fit either character. Yeah, I think um, that. Um Sorry, I, I heard on slash filmcast. Uh, Dave Chen said that um, said that he heard on the Q and A with Jeff Goldsmith that George Miller said uh, that there's not a lot of <laughs> like the the movie takes place over like three days or something. There's not any time for any character to fall in love or anything. Yeah. so it's useless. And I thought that the, I really appreciated that because totally. Yeah, but yeah, I thought I thought that that could have been a huge part of the movie, and it was just kind of a uh, a. a a happenstance just kind of it just kind of happened uh, that's mm-hmm. how it seemed anyways um so that was a bit of a drop in my opinion but again i don't know where you would squeeze in all the extra stuff to make their relationship truly full i guess yeah. or or you mean- to explore it fully i guess right. that, to, to squeeze all that extra dialogue in and everything would have would have made the movie longer and that I, I don't know right do you when you say that it was a drop do you mean that you would want them to have a, have a, a, a i think it would have been a romantic fun- relationship or just like develop their relationship interpersonal relationship just in general just their interpersonal relationship okay. i didn't yeah i didn't care to see them fall in love and make yeah. out and whatever that that was not that just did not fit this movie at all i I agree so i'm glad they didn't go that direction with it but just i don't know i think i think there was just some untapped potential there right to see to see how far those characters could go as a team Mm -hmm. with their relationship um but but still fairly satisfying throughout the whole oh yeah it's definitely a crowd pleaser Mm -hmm. um as weird as that sounds because we're talking about oh this movie's a crowd pleaser Oh, there are. There's a shot of uh, women in chairs being just pumped from with uh, just being pumped. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> Breast milk being pumped. Yeah. From which uh, man, that was just so. That was a really unique image to have in that movie. It was. Um. And so, how did you feel about the actual world building and the the whole universe building that that the movie did? As someone who isn't that um, connected to or um, cognizant of the Mad Max universe. That was arguably the strongest point of the movie, part mm-hmm. of the movie, in my, in my, in my opinion, because the, the shock value was just potent as all hell. I mean, there, there are a handful of scenes and, and moments throughout the movie that just, 
you're just shocked and a little sickened. And I mean that in like a really good way because right. like I said, that like, that like care that it, it initially piqued my interest and carried my interest and curiosity throughout the entire movie. Um, I never wanted to look away from the screen ever because there was just so much <laughs> like what's going to happen next is kind of how you, kind of how you watch the movie. Um, there, I mean, there's, uh, there's a, some scenes involving a pregnant woman. Um, there's, there, there's this, this awful world where there's water is the most valuable resource. And, uh, there's just this, you see all these people just start just dying of thirst slowly, like rotting away. Um, and, and they actually have the opportunity to get water and it's just very, it's very disturbing to watch the, the main villain wield his power throughout this movie through withholding water. Um, it's really, it's really disturbing. And, and I mean that in a complimentary way. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, those moments really, I, I wouldn't say they carried the movie, but those may, those moments were so poignant that they really, as far as what I look for in a movie, really, really hit those notes and really, right. really meant something to me and kept, kept me interested because the action, which I think is arguably the best thing, maybe second best thing about the movie, is what kind of carries the movie, but, but, those those disturbing moments where you really are exposed to the harshness of dystopia and and what this world is like those really hit you on an emotional level and that's what makes you not want to take your eyes off the screen right um, it really makes you kind of forgive the kind of sparse story yes. and character development right and it um in terms of the action i'll, I'll just kind of leapfrog into discussion about the action because i agree with everything you said mm-hmm. um the action was just so just out of this world. Oh, it was. It yeah. was. There, there's a moment where they, and it's featured in the trailer, I think, and also everyone's seen this movie, and we're the last two people to see it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the moment where they kind of, when when they're going, everyone's going into that um, big sandstorm, sandstorm thing. Yeah, I was just like, my jaw was on the floor, mm-hmm. and I was just, I was so. I was so revved up by it, and I was mm-hmm. my, like, my pedal was to the metal. I can't do puns. <laughs> um, no, I was really, I was just really floored by it. And the way that the action plays out is almost like symphonic. It, it's mm-hmm. so, it's so bombastic, and there's such a a symphony to it. Basically, it's it's just a beautiful yeah. a melody to it. A melody. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah. And it's, I mean, even down to like the most. The, the crazy, the crazy, like the, the guys on drums on the back of the, on the back of the thing. Yeah. And the, the guy with the, the guitar is just, it's such a, such a rich world. And, it and is. to see everything get blown to hell is just so mm-hmm. satisfying. Yeah. Um, it's the, just, it's such a distinct world. Yeah. Like oh, the, yeah. the Mad Max world, like that's, it's its own thing. Like nobody can, I just don't, I don't see anybody matching that. Like you can't. I'm not saying there are better. I'm saying there there could be some other universes that have been created in other movies right. that are better, but this one is just you know exactly what it is. It's so distinct, and mm-hmm. it's just like that is George Miller's Mad Max universe, and it's freaking cool. Cause yeah, there's nothing else like it. And even from like just the opening, <laughs> like that opening, you know that from the opening of of him, yeah. him just standing there, and then he grabs the mutated thing and just bites it and, and eats just, it. Yeah, and he says, it's just it, that's such a great entry point to the world. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, is there anything else you really want to talk about with Mad Max or should we transition? Cause this is an impromptu episode. We're kind of, it is a little, well, I mean, truncated. It, it was kind of in the news, I don't know about recently, maybe a month ago where, uh, in a, I think maybe they were promoting this movie or maybe, I can't remember exactly what it was, but t- someone asked, a, a journalist asked Tom Hardy about, did he have any, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of, did you have any, reservations about being in a film that was so representative of powerful women or something like that Mm -hmm. because femininity is a huge part of the movie right um and and just it was so great because tom hardy was just like no (laughs) because he's like no why no like that's because of course he wasn't because the movie was freaking awesome right right and and i i I just wanted to make a statement that i really appreciated the femininity that was represented in the film um i I won't go into any spoilers but there are several strong female characters in the in the movie and it's a it's it's just it's just a very um triumphant film for 
for women. And I, I think it was kind of cool to see. Um, it was just like, you just don't, it's something you don't see a lot, you know, at female action stars and whatnot. Um, yeah. and it, I, I just, I really appreciate it for that because in a movie called Mad Max, you would think, you know, it's just about some classic hero guy who kills people and is right. awesome. But and he, he's, he's arguably overshadowed by all the women in this movie. Yeah. And, and I mean, absolutely. I, I agree completely. And I, I'm like the whole, feminism in in movies and that that kind of, it's kind of a hot button kind of issue like mm-hmm. all that not i mean it, it's hard it's hard to say i i didn't have any i mean i yes i i applaud the movie for for on that mm-hmm. effort and everything but yeah i i don't know what i'm trying to say i just i i agree completely yeah yeah i mean i'm not I'm not, I don't have that opinion for maybe the most noble reason i'm not i don't have that opinion because i'm a feminist or whatever because mm-hmm. i think you know, women's rights is like the most important thing to me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it because it was just refreshing as a film fan. Yeah. As, yeah, as a absolutely. fan of movies, it was cool to see. And I think it worked really well. It it felt semi-original. It, you know, it just had yeah. a, a great feel to it. And I think that, I think what I'm probably trying to get at is that it's just, it's, it's, it's not, when I say this, it's going to sound bad, but I'm, I'm going to be more clear, but it, it's frustrating when, you know, femininity kind of becomes, becomes a big focal point for a movie and everything. Cause I mean, it's True. like, it's 2015. I, I mean, let's, I, I would love for a movie to have like a strong, like a strong female centric, um, movie that is a, is a crowd pleaser and is a, a hit and everything. And then no one really call attention to it. Cause that's kind of the norm. Cause I, True. and I mean, I understand, you know, it's definitely, uh, the, the, oversimplifying it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. what I'm trying to say, but it's just like, I'm, I'm just kind of, I think, I think what you're saying is that it's kind of unfortunate that the a political agenda kind of overshadows the quality of a film somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like how, or takes precedent over the quality of a film. Yeah. Not, not necessarily overshadows it or takes precedent, but kind of, um, it becomes the main point of conversation, which in some cases, and, and in this case, maybe maybe that is also it needs to because it, it is, uh, like I said, it's a hot button issue, and it's an issue that people mm-hmm. are uh, like feminists are still struggling with. Because I mean, even just today, there was a an article about I think it was Je- Jessica Chastain talking about how superhero movies over sexualize women, and mm-hmm. I agree, and that's that's really annoying. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um but yeah, and I'm I'm not trying to be like a whatever. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to make this. We're not trying to make this into a a a topic about that right. or anything. It's just I just really hope for a, a day when you know there's not such a when it's not such a unique experience to have a movie like this come out. Yeah, and have women at the focus of it. It overtakes the narrative, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's a little, it's, you know, it should be about other things sometimes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, final thoughts on Mad Max Fury Road. What did you think of, uh, Nicholas Holt? Uh, I, I thought he was okay. I, th- I, I couldn't understand what he was saying half the time. Um, <laughs> and, and that was true of several characters. Like, mm-hmm. I, I stopped and rewind. I had to stop and rewind. And then after all, I was like, I, you know, I don't really care because I'm not sure how important the dialogue is, to be honest with you. Right. Um, and so that, that bothered me. I, that that genuinely bothered me, and I wasn't too crazy about it. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I I appreciated his uh, his craziness, his uh, his very uh, psychologically disturbed um, presentation of the character, um, which is a whole actually a whole other. I really loved the whole like Citadel Death Cult kind of thing. Yes, that, that was, was just like super effective and really absolutely. I that was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. I kind of wish it was explored a little further or yeah. expanded upon even more, but. I mean, just seeing, even, even though it wasn't really that, uh, expanded that, that much or anything like that. I mean, just seeing, like, seeing them, um, spray the chrome on their mouths yeah. as they're about to, about to basically suicide themselves. Yeah. Into Valhalla or whatever. Yeah. It did, like, seeing that without any context just made it so, so surreal and, and interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even more so than if we had a bunch of, a bunch of exposition dumped on us about it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I really, really loved the way that the movie, the frame rate kind of 
was altered throughout the movie. Like in action sequences, like the frame rate was just like snapped up like really quick. And yeah, it was kind of cool. It was very surreal, disorienting a little bit, but also really, really, uh, enhanced the some of the imagery of it mm-hmm. and kind of in, in, in the immersion of it, I guess. It right. Kind of, it was interesting to see the pace of the movie depicted in the frame rate. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's a very fast paced movie and to see that like physical, like, like actually visualize the film being sped up in certain mm-hmm. points is, was just kind of really helped with the immersion of it, even in home viewing. Totally. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, anything else you need to say about, um, I liked it and it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I have my qualms with it and I was just a tiny bit disappointed. I thought it'd be a little bit more coherent, but, uh, um, still just a really awesome movie. Can't, can't find too many faults with it. Yeah, same here. I really, really enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, you know, they make another one. I think that their plan is to make another one. Um, cool. And hopefully, it you know, hopefully, it delivers on the promise of this one. Yeah. So, uh, potpourri. Potpourri. It's smelling good up in here. Yes. Join the Obsessive Viewer podcast on October 16th, 2015 at the Irving Theater in Indianapolis for The Obsessive Viewer Presents Shocktober in Irvington Part 2. It's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local artists J.P. Leck and Snapshot Productions. There will be giveaways, raffles, interviews with the filmmakers, and so much more. All proceeds will go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. Go to shocktoberinirvington.com for more details and prepare to be shocked. For first-time listeners, and I'm sorry if this is a, a... I mean, not sorry. This is a irregular episode, so it's a little truncated and a little a little crazy. But um, Potpourri is the section of the podcast where we talk about anything we want as long as it smells good. Each week we have a topic, and then when, we're, when, we're, when we've exhausted that topic, we basically talk about stuff that we've watched lately or are looking forward to seeing and, and stuff like that. And Tiny, I know that you don't have much, but I have a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and throw out a couple of, uh, actually, no, the first one I'm going to talk about is <laughs> I went to the movie theater and watched, uh, the latest movie from M night Shyamalan, the visit. Oh man. <laughs> and I can't believe I haven't brought this up on the podcast yet. Um, <laughs> Because I think it's been a couple weeks, but I can't remember our recording schedule. But um, the trailers—it's it, an interesting movie. It's—it's it's a fairly interesting movie. It's the trailers make it out to look like it's a standard kind of uh, grandparents. Like the, it seems like an almost witchcrafty. Rich, it looked a lot like um, Paranormal Activity Three, basically. Okay. <laughs> um, the trailer did, and. I don't know what I was expecting because <laughs> M Night Shyamalan. I mean, okay, to for, to give context for my my thoughts on M Night Shyamalan going into this movie is a decade ago I adored the guy. I mean, if I ever finish the decade review series on the blog, I'll you'll you guys will see it. Um, I think at one point I referred to uh, the village as. I don't know if I actually said this in the review or not, but um, this is back when I was 18. I referred to the village as M. Night Shyamalan's fourth masterpiece. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's the frame of mind I had there. Uh, <laughs> then, you know, after that, Lady in the Water came out, and then mm. I kind of just, that my tastes changed quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I haven't revisited like Signs and, and Unbreakable or. Um, uh, the, the sixth sense in a while, but, and I think that they still hold up from, from memory and everything, uh, fairly well, but yeah, uh, the, the, he has a troubled career. Yeah. That's putting it lightly. Yeah. So the <laughs> visit, <laughs> the visit is his first, his first like complete writing and directing credit full, like he has the full, um, control over the product movie since, 2000, I think it was 2008, The Happening. Um, yeah, that movie. Much maligned. Yeah, uh, yeah. And rightfully so. And so going into the visit, I had, in my head, I had this whole, this whole idea of M. Night Shyamalan worked out. I've, I've thought for years that M. Night Shyamalan is 
a talented director who really, really earned the right to be, um, uh, to be to be referred to as the next Spielberg or the mm-hmm. or the next Hitchcock uh through the sixth sense because in terms of visualizing um in, in terms of his the visual storytelling in that movie it it the the filming of it it was really well done and he can really shoot a suspenseful tense scene the problem with M Night Shyamalan though <laughs> is that he thinks he's a great director, but he also thinks he's a great writer. He thinks, yeah. I, I want to say that he's, he's a really good director who thinks he's an auteur, who, who thinks that he, he has all, like, he thinks he, he has a hubris. I, I feel like his, his hubris has affected the quality of his work. And, and I think that <laughs> after doing projects like, you know, After Earth and, uh, um, uh, the last airbender, which I, I never saw either one of those, but <laughs> I think after that, he just kind of, you know, he went away and I, I was hoping that the visit would be a return to form or, or at least a, an, an example of him coming back to what, he, like, like really becoming aware of what worked for him and what his strengths are. Uh, so that's a really, really long way to get to the point that I did not like the visit. <laughs> um, it was just, it was not a good movie. Yeah. I mean, in context with the, with his filmography, it's, it's better than the happening. It's better than Lady in the Water, but not by much. It's, yeah. It's interesting because this is a, this is a movie that's, that's produced by Jason Blum, who, uh, who has Blumhouse Productions, who he's, he's one of the producers from the original Paranormal Activity. He's, he has really cornered the market on low budget horror movies that are, inc- are highly profitable. It's actually fascinating. His, his mm-hmm. business model is he takes, he throws like five million dollars at a director. They create a, a horror movie and, it, they reap benefits from it. It's, it's really kind of staggering. Mm-hmm. Um, so same deal with M. Night Shyamalan through the visit at him. He had, uh, M. Night Shyamalan had final cut and everything. And it's, it's just kind of a mess, but man, I, I really, I really think that there is a really good movie in this, in the, in the visit. Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. It's, uh, you haven't seen it, right? I have not seen okay, it. No. So I'm not, obviously I'm not going to spoil it or anything, but okay. basically the plot of the movie is it's, uh, it's a found footage slash faux documentary, uh, movie about two teenage kids who go to visit their grandparents who they're just meeting for the first, for the first time. Okay. So the daughter is this 15, 16 year old girl who's really into filmmaking. She's filming a documentary about their visit. Um, and she's hoping to kind of bridge the, the frayed relationship between her grandparents and her, her single mother, mm-hmm. uh, because their father had moved away or, or had left them. And, uh, so anyway, and then, and the younger son or the younger kid is, is like, I think he's like 12 or 13. He's like 13. He's an aspiring rapper. Um, oh, Jesus. Who freestyle raps three times in the movie. <laughs> um, oh my God. And he's like a super obnoxious kid, but I mean, I'll give credit where it's due. I actually was rooting for him throughout the movie. <laughs> I mean, there was uh, like in the first 15 minutes, I was like, Oh my God, I really hate this kid. I uh, can't really stand him. Um, but then as the movie kind of unfolded, I was like, you know what? He's not bad. And across the board, the acting was just not that good. Yeah. Uh, the girl was the standout though. There was a, there's a moment, there's a, there's a scene where she's, she's filming like a, like an interview with, um, the grandmother. And throughout the progression of the movie, the, the, the source of the tension through the movie, and I apologize that I'm all over the place with this review, but, um, the tension of the movie is, is doled out through, there's something weird going on with the grandparents. And, and like they keep getting written off as like, oh, it's just, you know, old people being old people. Mm-hmm. But there's something peculiar, uh, peculiar going on. Um, and it's, you know, supposed to be frightening. It, it, I mean, it was, it wasn't that effective, but I mean, it was, it was just like crazy stuff, like scratching at night. Uh, there's a, there's a steadfast rule where the kids have to be in bed by nine 30. That isn't really true, fully explored or anything, but, and they hear just weird, weird stuff and everything. Um, 
so anyway, I'm. This is really long winded, but um. So M Night Shyamalan, he has a tendency to set up things and to set up um certain character arcs or or to take backstories of characters and set them up in a way that every single one of them has to have a payoff. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I'm thinking like, like in signs, the, 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 wa- like the, uh, the little girl's weird, uh, like, oh, she, oh, I have to leave water sitting around and everything. Right. And I mean, that's effective there because there's a purpose for it. Yeah. And it serves the kind of central theme of the movie. But like, it's like that's, that kind of thing in this movie is this, is the same, but it's not like a, not like in the, in the same context or anything, but it's like, oh, this kid has a personal problem. Or, or this kid has has a problem that is going to pay off in the in the climax of the movie in a really ham fisted, really weird way. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so my whole point, and I'll I swear to God I'll let you talk. Um, <laughs> but the movie, the good movie that is in the visit, is believe it or not in the twist. Um, oh really? Yeah, and and I don't I'm I'm super naive, and I didn't go into the movie expecting there to be an M Night Shyamalan twist, mm-hmm. and I I, I just kind of thought like okay, um, it's been like ten years since he had anything that since he was culturally relevant, yeah. he has to be aware that that you know a twist is going to be, um, you know that, that it's, it's that a gimmick at it's this a gimmick point, and it, it's yeah. a joke, and. Yeah. And I just realized that, you know, saying that, saying that there's a twist in the movies is a spoiler in and of itself. But I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a twist, honestly. It's, it's more an, uh, the explanation of, of the strange behavior. Mm-hmm. And in that explanation, there could have been such a, a much more effective thriller, a much more engaging story. But the movie just ultimately just crapped the bed through crappy, uh, characterization and stuff like that like uh, my final thought on it is that there's there's a piece of trivia on imdb that says that m night Shyamalan cut three versions of the movie <laughs> there's a uh, one version that's strictly comedy uh-huh. one version that's strictly horror and then the final version that's that's a mixture of both now i understand that editing like tone and everything is completely dependent on editing editing is like a large percentage of of the process but I I don't know if he conceived of the movie as a horror comedy because there is a lot of comedy that is very very clear that he doesn't understand how people talk and like <laughs> like he has a very str- he has a very strange viewpoint of the world like there's there's three like three people that um the kids interact with that aren't their grandparents and when they're on their visit it's a week long visit to their grandparents it's just them their their mother's on a cruise um and then oh god okay. Two things. I'm so sorry, but the 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 two out of the three people that they in, encounter, like one guy on a train and one guy that comes to see the grandparents, uh, like both of them, they're just like, "Oh, you're filming a documentary? Oh, I used to be a pretty good actor." <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. Like, okay, it's just a throwaway line for two characters that have nothing to do with each other to yeah. say in in Phil in 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 pencil eastern pennsylvania like i don't okay that i don't is that supposed to be a joke or something i don't understand and then there's uh there's skype scenes with the mother on the cruise <laughs> it's so awkward it's so weird because it's like you see people in the background dancing but it's like it's it's like you're seeing a, a bunch of extras rehearsing for <laughs> an infomercial that they're shooting advertising some kind of cruise package or something like that. Like it's that kind of stilted, like really weird, like, like thing. And then the mother, uh, played by, uh, what's her name? Catherine Hahn. Um, Oh yeah. 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 And, and she's like, she's like, I'm having a great time. And I'm like, are you around real people? Cause that's not <laughs> how people act in the background. So I don't know. So, so the visit was just a mess, much like my review of the visit. <laughs> It was a complete mess, and I don't really recommend it yeah. to anyone. And well, I'm curious yeah. because I I'm I'm basically sick of found footage. Mm-hmm. I'm just like sick of it, and so I'm curious. Do you think the movie would have benefited better if it was not a found footage movie? Um, you know, I I would hesitate to call it found footage exactly. That's why oh, I kind of really? said like found footage slash faux documentary because it is oh, okay. filmed as like a documentary, but. 
it's also <laughs> it's it's filmed as a documentary because because she's making a documentary. So there's like there's scenes where she's interviewing her grandparents. Okay. And like it's like actually like like not it's like talking heads from from the office. Gotcha. And so so it's like that. It's a mockumentary, not mockumentary, but just a fake documentary kind right. of style. Um having said that, you know, I'm 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 so back and forth on found footage itself. I mean, there's like there I feel like the movie did a good job of presenting why the characters would be filming stuff because mm-hmm. that that fake documentary thing is just like I mean the the biggest trouble or the biggest uh, complaint I I hear about people complaining about found footage is saying that um well okay you need to explain why they're still filming something cuz you know a big monster has, is attacking New York City and and you have um um uh, what's his name? T.J. Miller in the background saying like, "I need, we need to film this because people are going to want to know what happens." Right, right. Okay, we're helicopters are filming it. It's, you, it's I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but with this, it's it's kind of the conceit of the movie is that she's making a documentary to mend the fences between her grandparents and her uh, her mother. So so there is a there is a narrative reason for it to be found footage. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the end of it, it's just oh my god. Oh yeah. By the end of it, it's just uh. It sustains itself well. I will say, my God, I've never. <sighs> M. Night Shyamalan is really. He shows that he has no, he has no, no idea of when to have comic relief, and ha- when to have that cut the tension in a scene, because it, it's so like. There's so many scenes. Like there's there's a there's a scene at the climax of the movie where uh a, a character is reaching their like the the pinnacle of the tension that they could possibly that like the most the most tense scene that they could be enduring or the most intense situation and I laughed out loud. Like I I completely <laughs> like it was I didn't even care. It was an elaborate like like just expulsion of of laughter and and a few people in the audience also did that <laughs> because it's played off so it's so weird and so dumb hmm. um so yeah so man i don't know it, yeah i'm definitely gonna see it when you do when you do make sure you bring it up and, and yeah. we'll talk about it in, in more uh more detail because yeah. it's man it's i didn't even i wanted to write a review of it but i was just like and I thought a lot about it, but I just I just couldn't bring myself to do it because right. it was just it was frustrating because he could he could be okay, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he thinks that I don't know. But he sucks. Know. But he sucks. <laughs> I mean, no, he doesn't suck. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> Some of his stuff sucks. Yeah, I mean, when the yeah. happening came out and they had the scene where they're literally being chased by wind. Yeah, I was. I mean, I didn't. The the happening is a terrible, terrible movie. Yeah. But I mean, I was one of the people that was like, you know what? He he at least has the talent to be able to like like you know he can effectively show a scene of people being chased by wind as ridiculous as that sounds mm-hmm. the way that he depicted the like he the way that he visually like followed the tension and, and was able to capture that was as effective as that movie could possibly be right um but man oh yeah that that's the thing when when you asked about found footage um yeah uh he i was so frustrated because he has a very he has a very uh a very specific visual style in which he like he he uses a lot of like tracking shots and a lot of uh in order to fill he in order to fill this fill the frame with as much tension as possible he has these long tracking shots in all of his movies that that are really well handled and and do that by making it a found footage movie it, like I, I was like he's 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 handicapping his one like really really um good talent <laughs> yeah and that was kind of the big frustrating thing about the movie gotcha so hmm. um potpourri what do you got <laughs> i mean that was i'm yeah i again i apologize for being so long-winded on that but that's okay you know that's that's what it's in night Shyamalan's fault really yeah. it's his fault right. um no i I, I've kind of been watching things sporadically and like I, I still watch a lot of stuff. I mean, me and my girlfriend watch TV every day, but we just mm-hmm. kind of watch like 
stuff that I didn't really think was like, I didn't really think I could bring up on the podcast. Right. So like, I think I can. It's just that it's just so out of my realm of what I typically watch, um, that it just feels weird bringing it up. But, uh, one thing that she, a show that she's a fan of that I, I watched, I've watched like three episodes of it with her is, uh, there's this show on network. Uh, it might be CBS. Uh, it's called The Mysteries of Laura. And it's, I've never heard of that. Uh, it stars, um, <laughs> I'm not going to be too hard. It stars Deborah Messing. Okay. And you're going to love this. It's a police procedural. Okay. Yeah. And it's called The Mysteries of Laura. I hate the title. The title's so, it just doesn't fit. <laughs> um, and she play, she plays a detective, a homicide, or just, I think just a, some kind of detective in New York City, of course. It has to be in New York City. Right. What's her name in the show? Laura, I don't remember what her last name is, but. I'm just I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> funny. Um, she's a single mother, and of course, her ex-husband is the captain at the precinct that she's a detective at. Okay, sure. And it's it's just your class. I'm trying to think of things that make it unique. It's um, it's a classic police procedural procedural, and where there's a new case every week, and of mm-hmm. course, they solve the whole thing in the whole 43 minute length of the show. Um, but there is some, uh, serialized parts of it where, you know, they, they do develop her character throughout the season and they develop her relationships with people and the other characters get some storylines. And so there's some serialization to it, but it's just, it's just like an unfortunate, it's just such an unfortunate trend that we're getting all these police procedurals Mm -hmm. and they're trying to make them their own by, Oh, she's a single mother. And it's. There's comedy in there. There is some comedy, and I've laughed mm-hmm. at it a few times, but it's just, when I think of network TV, I think of the mysteries of Laura. Really? And it's just like, this, that's, that's what you get on network mm-hmm. anymore. It's just like, it's so, it's just so standard. And it's not and horrible. It's safe. It's, it sounds like it's safe. safe. Yeah. yeah. It's it, like, I can sit there and watch an episode and I'm not lost at all. I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter that I haven't seen the past development of her character mm-hmm. and their relationship. It's like, Oh, they've had some fights and then they got feelings for each other and then they kind of had sex once and then, Oh my God, are they going to get back together again? And <laughs> it's just like, I knew exactly what's happening. And, 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 and also if you just watched a, watched an episode in the middle of the season, you wouldn't be breaking bad either. What? Cause you said you were, I, I waited too long to say this. Oh. I didn't want to interrupt you, but you said I wouldn't be lost at all. You also God wouldn't be breaking bad. Sorry. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah you're hilarious. <laughs> oh, <no>. but, <laughs> um, but it's, it's just like, I, I guess there are, well, obviously there is a huge amount of people who want that out of their television. And like, sure. Yeah. And, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It, like, I, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. I'm obviously a snob. Like, I like to watch stuff. I like, I like cable shows and good stuff. Uh, it's, you know, it's just like, <laughs> I realize I'm being a snob and like, I'm kind of a jackass about it, but it's like, I, I can sit down and watch a random episode and tell you a lot of the stuff that happened to the characters before it. It's not because I'm smart and I can and I can pick up on things like that. It's because the show is very generic and recycled and it's like that's you make you, you tweak one little thing and you think you have a whole new fresh show but you don't and it's like it's just kind of frustrating that that's what's popular and yeah, and I I don't it, it, like I said it's not a bad show. It's really mm-hmm. not bad. I like I said I I can watch it and I can laugh. I can follow the stories story and be relatively entertained. But I'm not like, "Ooh, let's watch the new episode of Mysteries of Laura" cuz it's like right. it's just something to throw on kind of and it, it's it's just not all that artistically satisfying for mm-hmm. me and and I I shouldn't be so hard on that stuff, but it's just <laughs> It's, it's, it's what I'm watching a lot of now is, is stuff like that. My, my girlfriend loves Mike and Molly. Right. Watch that all the time. You've mentioned that on the podcast before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the same thing. It's kind oh, of yeah. the same style. It's, uh, I mean, it's derivative. It's just usually, yeah. it's all just so derivative now. Background noise TV. As yeah. snobby as that is to say. Right. I mean, I'm, I admit too that we're both snobs when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. 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 It's just, you know, something to throw on. Mm hmm. Question slash challenge. I don't know if the, I don't know what the challenge is in this, but is there another like network 
show that you guys watch week to week that you've seen multiple episodes of that you can think of that I haven't seen anything of? Because I think it would be interesting to come back at a later date and like like have me watch a, watch a sh- watch an episode midstream and then have you watch the same episode after watching it in sequence week to week and then see compare notes about it. Uh, I don't know how interesting that would be, but <laughs> the thing is, I just don't, I don't watch every episode. So like, okay. I think there's been like four episodes this season. I've only seen one. Right. Like, I mean, I'm talking about a show that like you haven't brought up at all that you're ashamed uh, to admit. Um, <laughs> not really ashamed, but you know, no. Cause like I said, there, there's nothing that I, that she has her shows and I have mine. Right. right and, right we mostly watch her stuff because my stuff is super niche and right. You know, she doesn't want to watch the Serialized. bastard executioner. No. She doesn't want to watch that. She doesn't want to watch, uh, falling skies or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, which I'm really behind on. Um, I keep forgetting that you even watch that show. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I can watch those shows and she, she, she's disinterested in them. She can't mm-hmm. watch them, but I can sit there and at least not want to kill myself watching, Mike and Molly and, and, right. and the mysteries of Laura and, and she does like Modern Family, which I still love that show. We mm-hmm. watch Modern Family and that, that show is great. I think it's still funny and I love that show. I have always meant to go back and yeah, catch up with it. But yeah, it's just, like I, I, I have a great time with it. I, I, I have, yes. I, I still have a great time watching these shows because they're honestly because I'm watching it with my girlfriend and she's great, but, right. um, but it's, it's just, it's just I, I haven't watched stuff like this, and it's just kind of weird <laughs> falling into this universe a little bit. I, I can this, see it being kind of jarring. It is. I can imagine that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just kind of weird, but interesting. So that's the mysteries of Laura, and you mysteries highly recommend it. Ooh. Yeah, you know Deborah Messing looks amazing. Really? That's a good looking woman. I mean, she's like damn near fifty. She looks great. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's. I mean, she's nice to look at. Yeah. <laughs> we say in an episode where we applauded Mad Max's femininity. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best thing about the show is she's hot. Right. <laughs> well, according to Hulu, she also raises two devil devilish twin sons yeah, or that, something. That too. Which is interesting because is it is it like presented as a drama or is you watching it as a drama? Because it says it only says comedy on Hulu. Really? Yeah. Well, okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a lot of drama in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, yeah. There's a, whatever. <laughs> it's it's a dramedy. It's a, I'll give I'll give it dramedy. I will not give it comedy. It's not okay. a comedy. It's a dramedy at best. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, so I have a, I have a couple more things I can, I can throw out here. One is one that we've, we've talked about before. Um, but I hadn't seen it yet. Uh, Pitch Perfect 2. I circled back and watched nice. that. Nice. Yeah. You know, I thought it was pretty funny. I thought, I thought it was good. It kind of, uh, I, I was a little bothered that they kind of just, they introduced this whole international singing competition thing. And then just that took such a back, like that took such a back burner thing to where the point where they actually reached the, the finals or whatever or the competition mm-hmm. in, I think it was Copenhagen or someplace that like they had to fly somewhere and it was an international competition. Like that, it seemed like just a complete afterthought and kind of just yeah. something that was just like, like, okay, we got all of the, all of the major subplots and plot lines and everything in, in the movie like resolved and everything. So now we do the thing that was introduced as the conceit of the entire plot line of right. the movie. It was just kind of felt just really, I don't know. And then the, and the antagonists were just like, they popped up a couple times. I, I thought it was charming that, uh, the way, uh, Anna Kendrick, uh, played off of the, the, the woman that was the head yeah. of it. Like, I, I thought that was charming, but it was like, I don't see these people as formidable foes right. for them and kind of followed some of the same narrative beats of, of the first movie, but kind of redressed, like, like they have their, they have their riff off, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's slightly different, but it's, it's also like, it's probably at the same point as the first movie is in terms of runtime. Yeah. And I mean, they introduced some new characters that are okay, but, um, for the most part, I just thought that it was, I wouldn't say that it was, it was subpar or anything like that, but it was just, it was just okay. Yeah. Um, I agree. It didn't, it, uh, it lacked the, uh, the charm and the endearing quality of the first one. Yeah. And, um, and there was another, like in the, in the first one, there was, it's kind of a tongue in cheek kind of, uh, kind of like, okay, everyone takes acapella really seriously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in this one, it's like, like that in the first one, that was kind of like, look at this college that where everyone cares. Like the, all of these people care so much about this thing. That's, you know, it's acapella and it's goofy. As 
goofy. It's super goofy. Yeah. And then in this one, it's like, look at how everyone takes this very seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. It was, I don't know. I didn't dislike it. I did think that the, and this is, this is something that sequels just in general seem to do. They, they tend to expand the bigger, po- bigger things that made the first one so good. Like the, like one of my favorite parts of the first, of the first movie was the announcers played by, uh, uh, um, Elizabeth Banks, Elizabeth Banks. And mm, I can't remember his name. Uh, John Michael Higgins. Uh, yeah. John Michael Higgins, like the announcers in the first movie. That was just fantastic. Like, yeah. They were, they were awesome. And I really appreciated that they were podcasters in the second one. Yeah. And, uh, and I really, really like, on a deep, deep level, I loved that the name of the podcast was Let's Talk Appella. Yes. But, uh, I felt like they were a little bit, a little overused in it. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Much less subtle. Yeah. And the, and the comedy for, there was a, at least a stretch of the movies. A lot of it was, uh, kind of the sub characters of the, of the, of the group. They kind of played up like simple, like little pieces here and, or, um, um, their only lines consisted of the quirky, like, type of character that they were, like, um, throughout the first movie. Like, it, they took what was established in the first movie as what defined each, each one of the characters as, like, like the soft talker one or kind of mm-hmm. slutty one, all that kind of stuff. And in this, in the sequel, it's just like, it seemed like a lot of the characters who were not Anna Kendrick, um, <laughs> Uh, it kind of seemed like every line was just like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm the gay black, uh, the gay black girl. Yeah. Like, I think at one point she literally says that in the movie. Yeah. And it's kind of, I was just like, okay, give something to define them as characters. Right. Um, true. Yeah. Um, but still very funny. A lot of jokes. Yeah. A lot of the jokes landed for me. And, uh, yeah, I thought, I just didn't think, I thought it was Akka okay, not Akka (laughs) awesome. Nice. Yeah. Um, I have other stuff we can talk about, but I mean, I can, we can talk about those later. Yeah. We can kind of wrap it up here. Um, um the last thing. Else? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Just to round us out. The last thing I'll say, I was in the last episode or maybe episode before I said I was going to watch the bastard ex- executioner. I think it was the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I watched the premiere and everything. Uh, I can't do it guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just, I was trying to watch it at home before I came here. Yeah. I just don't care. It just, I just don't care about the characters or the story or the action or anything. <laughs> it's just so, so mediocre. Um, there could be, it could be a decent show. It's just not good enough to hold my attention. I, I can't, I just can't do it. Um, so I, I apologize for that. You're not going to get any more updates on that show, but I, I was halfway through the second episode and I was just like, I, I can't see the direction of this show. I don't know what it's about really. I can't fully understand the motivation of like any of these characters it's just so vague and just i, I just i just didn't get it and and it's it, it just has it has nothing that m- makes me want to come back to it so um sorry guys i'm i'm done with that i can't i can't follow it anymore so <sighs> yeah i mm, let you down you let us down I all did. of all of our listeners no yeah. that's fine that's totally understandable mm-hmm. i uh yeah, yeah, I I never got around to seeing the pilot, and I'm glad that I now have no excuse to. It sucks. Um, yeah, I I mean I I had really no interest in seeing it, and yeah. I I mean it wasn't even on my radar. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so next week for the podcast, we're going to have uh, at least uh, I think what we're going to do is do an episode review of The Martian. Mm-hmm. Which I am excited for you to see that I saw it last night, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the discussion there. Um, nice. I might try to get Fekus back on for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we are also going to have a special uh, special episode with some filmmakers from one of the shorts we'll be screening at Tractober Norton. So be on the lookout for that, and also. Uh, Yeah, thanks for listening and happy podcast day. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. So, Tiny, did you know that today is International Podcasting Day? Is it really? Yeah. Well, damn, why didn't I get champagne? Right, you should have. And why am I not being uh, fawned over by many (laughs) girls? I was...
was, I was seriously going to tweet like this was, I was on the brink of like actually writing out this tweet. I was going to sell it. I was going to be like, wow, in honor of Nat international podcasting day, every woman on the planet has, has decided to just ignore me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's also Wednesday, <laughs> um, but I didn't want it to be like a, like a kind of pathetic thing. Wow. Like I didn't know if the joke would land. <laughs> Or if people would just be like, oh, that's just Matt being mad again. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since this is an impromptu episode, I'm just going to go with it. Welcome to the impromptu episode of The Obsessive Era, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, true, a movie or show, every episode. We can. You, uh, I, I thought that, that would be good, but then I realized, like, well, we could probably do the... Uh, God, I just messed wow, all that up. That, yeah. Yeah, because like, before I did that, I was like... I was like, we can just record the intro stuff later. You tried to, you tried to run with it, though. I tried, I tried. A for effort. Yep. yep. A for effort. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer at obsessive tiny and at I am Mike white. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other. <laughs>